You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM, coming to you live from Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. Learn to study the Bible more effectively. Get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going, and experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm Carmelina, hosting today with Jason Cook, and today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston for his series, The Word of God. Welcome, David. Hi, Carmelina and Jason. How are you both? We're very well. I'm very well. Doing well, thank you. Lots of rain down here at the moment. Yeah, how's it going up there? Is it raining there too? Not today, not yet. Oh, uh, that's you're, right. you're lucky. We've had rain for several days, and I think it's going to go on. Yeah. It's not heavy rain, but it's just been persistent. It's enough to be mm. annoying, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, David, um, it's been good to have you back this week, and last week you shared briefly about the start of your journey with the Word of God by sharing your experience of addressing new truths that you learnt from the Bible. Mm. So what do you have for us today? <clears throat> Yeah, thanks, Carmelina. Well, today I'm going to continue that journey with the Word, my journey with the Word, and my topic this week is absorbed in the Word. So when, when, I, when I first was exposed to God's Word, I had a certain way of studying, and I guess it was very haphazard. Uh, it was very much the shotgun method, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, and not really knowing how to study. Mm. So I had to actually learn how to study, and I guess when I say the shotgun method, uh, it's not entirely different to what the Bible says is how you should study, because in Isaiah 23 it says, here a little, there a little, precept upon precept, you know, line upon line, and it says that's the way we should actually learn to study the Bible. So I would simply use a topic or a word, and I had a number of, I had one concordance, I had a, a Young's concordance, it was called, and I also ended up getting a hold of the Strong's concordance, which had the Hebrew and the Greek in. So before I even knew the Greek and Hebrew languages, or knew anything about them, I'm no expert in them today, um, I used to look up the words and I'd look at the formation of the letters and it was very naive, but I'd look at the formation of the letters and I'd say, well, that formation is the same as that one, so the words must be the same, (laughs) even though I didn't know the language. I mean, logically, that makes sense. (laughs) It does, but it doesn't look at the grammar of it. And so the grammar of the same word can look different. I guess it's a bit bit like our word wind and wind. They're identical, but they mean two different two things. different things. Exactly Are right. Are they called homophones? Oh, I'm not yeah, sure. Same sound? <laughs> I'm not good with my English uh, grammar. So. I think that's what it's called. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But nevertheless, I, I started studying to um, biblically. So when, when, you know, I wouldn't so much look at what other people had written, um, which when you go to college, you do a lot of that. But I, I would more look at, well, I don't really care what they wrote. I'm just going to read the Bible. And so that was the way I learned to study the Bible. And I guess later on I learned to read more broadly. But it was the same way I learned to teach. Uh, I would simply teach people, let's just study the Bible. And that was very helpful when I came across other religions or other um, other faiths, when they would pull out a different book and they would say, hey, let's go through this. I'd say, no, let's, let's study the Bible. Mm. And so that was something we all had in common was the Bible. And, and I felt that was the best way to actually learn it. 
And then what I found after that, this, this absorption in the word was I, I enjoyed it so much making those, you know, those discoveries myself. That's the way I wanted to share it with others. And so I learned to, very early on in the piece, uh, I went knocking on people's doors and, and, and I would just, you know, talk to people and I'd build up relationships using other magazines and stuff. But then eventually we would just get studying the Bible together. And that was something I always enjoyed doing. Wow, yeah, and um, that's that's a great way to also improve your own relationship, your own knowledge. Like they say, mm. the best way to learn something is to teach it. Mm, absolutely, and absolutely. Once you start sharing, you know, then you, yeah. you get it's, it proves you were very excited about it. Because I know when I was learning stuff Correct. at uni, I'll get super excited and just want to share about it with my family, and they usually ignored me. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Anyway, I believe we have something happening in Hobart that you want to share, Jason. Yeah. Just uh, starting tonight, actually, it's the last opportunity to book for this event. So if you're in the Hobart area and you're listening today, this is a great event to have a look at. It's called Lifestyle Medicine, Eating for Good Health. And it's a presentation, a demonstration and tasting. Now, if you've heard our Friday programs, you would have heard Libby Hergenen. She's passionate about health and diet. And this particular program is learning how to, I guess, make meals and choose recipes to minimize the risk of chronic disease. So Libby's um, presented on our program a number of times, and I'm sure she will again in the future. She's a great presenter. She loves to feed her family of six uh, using these same principles so it's uh, plant-based um, plant-based recipes and diet and nutritional information starting tonight at 7 p.m so don't miss out on this if you'd like to come you can register you must book it's uh it's over four weeks starting tonight one and a half hour presentations so text in the code to our show number the code is eat well 22 one word eat well 22 Text that into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and we'll send you a message back where you can have a look at the the full information and you can book if you want to as well. So don't miss out on that. It's the last opportunity to book tonight. Yep, get on it if you're in the Hobart area. Now, um, David, these last few weeks for this segment, um, the Word of God for this series, um, we've been looking at the spoken word. So did you want to give us a quick recap on that for the last few episodes? No worries at all, Car- Carmelina. I- I'll give you the 20-second version. So, Sounds good. <laughs> uh, we were talking about Adam to the flood, the flood to the exile, and then after coming out of exile, how God restored the word to them and what happened after that. We just started touching on them, you know, what Moses did. We're going to look into that with more depth today. Awesome. And today is the first segment of the second part of the series, which is focusing on the written word of God mm, um, from but, Moses to Malachi. Yes. But don't forget, you can go back and have a listen to the other episodes on our Faith FM website, or you can get the uh, Faith FM app from the App Store. So all of our episodes, all of the past programs, and it makes sense to start from the beginning of a series. And uh, this is number six or seven in this series, is it, today? I think it's number four. Number, number four. four. Okay, I'm, getting yes. my, I'm thinking of another <laughs> series we started recently. Um, so, yeah, go back and have a listen to the previous episodes. It makes a lot more sense. So hmm. this is the the series is called The Word of God, and you can find that on our Faith FM website, faithfm.com.au. 
Absolutely. So what have you got for us today on the Word of God, David? Yeah, thanks very much. So today as I continue this series, I want to move from what we've been speaking about, the spoken Word of God, how God spoke to people, and those people then passed that orally onto other people. Then when they get went into captivity, they lost some of their information. When they mm. came out of captivity, God takes them to Mount Sinai and tells Moses to start writing things down. So we're going to look at how that happens as we go through it. But before the break, what I want to do today is uh, ask a listener question that's related to what I shared earlier. How were you originally taught to study the Bible? And do you study it differently now than when you first did? So for an example, um, for me, originally I wasn't really taught to study the Bible, which might be surprising coming from a, another Christian faith background, but <laughs> I really just accepted what I was taught. And, um, I, I, you know, the person would teach me in, on Sunday mornings uh, all these stories from the Bible, and I absolutely loved them. David and Goliath was my favourite, still is my favourite, <laughs> but it was nothing really methodical. Later on, before I was properly taught, I simply, as I said, would use the concordance, look up the words, and then read right across the Bible what the words, what the Bible said about it. And what I finally learnt as the best, best method for me was to still use the concordance, but now I use it electronically and I very rarely get the big, um, heavy book out. <laughs> um, it's easier to carry the concordance around electronically, but it was also to read the different contexts. So I'd read the verse context, the chapter context, the book and the Bible context. So like you said before, when we have, what was the word you use? We have the same word, but they mean different things. Yeah, I, th I think it's called a homophone. So same yeah. sounding, same sounding, like flower and flower. Or same like, spelling. Yeah, yep. same, uh, oh yes, same yeah, spelling Same spelling, well. it's a different, different meaning. Yeah. Right. So I learned that, you know, if you look up the, the same word, you'll have the same word used in different contexts. So it was the more important for me then to read the verse context. So what was the verses around it that gave me context as to what that was actually meaning? And then the uh, chapter context. So generally what that was the whole chapter talking about, hmm. that helps in the interpretation. Then I would go broader to the book. What's the whole book talking about? How is that in context with the whole Bible? And then digging even deeper into the literary context, and that's the original language, how it's been translated, why they translate a certain way, and then bringing on top of all of that the historical context. So what were they actually talking about when they were doing, when Jesus, for example, was giving a parable? And that all together gives a much clearer and more well-rounded understanding. So I do it very different now than I used to when I first did. So how were you originally taught to study the Bible? How do you study it differently now than when you first did? Wow, um, that is that is. That is a very um, interesting way that you went about that, and it's a lot more complicated than how I ever studied the Bible, but maybe I could take it upon myself one day. Um, so before we go to the break, let's just remind them all, the listener question today is, how were you originally taught to study the Bible? Do you study it differently now than when you first did? I know I do. Um, text us in on 0488-880-891. We would love to hear from you this morning. Um, this is Give Give Me the Bible by Matt Manikas and Clint McCoy. 
Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming, to cheer the wander, lone and tempest toss. No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming, since Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till night shall vanish in eternal Give me the Bible when my heart is broken When sin and grief have filled my soul with fear Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken Hold up faith's lamp to show my Savior dear Give me the Bible, holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. That light alone the path of peace can't show Give me the Bible, holy message shining Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way Precept and promise, law and love combining Till night shall vanish in eternal day an eternal day An eternal day You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we are talking to David Maxwell on the topic of the written word The word preserved from Moses to Malachi um, before the break, we gave you a listener question. How were you originally taught to study the Bible? Do you study it differently now than when you first did? Text us in on 0488-880-891. Now, during the break, we also, um, during the break, we also uh, looked up that word that, and it's <laughs> called a homograph where homograph. you've got two different words that are spelled the same but mean different things in different circumstances. So, 
Homograph. That's uh, a little bit of grammar, English grammar for us this morning. <laughs> so, um, now, before the break, David, we were talking about the uh, the Word of God and the fact that you're moving on from the spoken word to the written word, but you also suggested that uh, we're going to also be still continuing to mention or talk about the spoken word in some way as well. Mm. But uh, let's get started today with this. Yeah, thanks very much, Jason. So, so far we've looked at that spoken word uh, from God or of God from Adam to the flood, then from the flood to the exile. Uh, we touched on the writing down of the words uh, that where God dictated to Moses after the people left Egypt. And today we're, so, that, so you see there that even though Moses is writing it down, there's still an oral uh, component to it because God is speaking still. So today we're going to begin looking at the different written eras of the Bible beyond that time, which make up the written word that we have today or what we call the Bible. <clears throat> today we're really only going to look at the Old Testament part of that. But along the journey, we, we you'll, you'll see that God God was still speaking to a lot of these people in history. You'll, we'll be able to look at how the whole written record of the Old Testament come to, came together. We, we haven't got time to look at every single book, but we're going to cover the main portions of it, and that really applies to most of the rest of it as well. Um, then we're going to look at, after that, we're going to look at the word... So what was written about the life of Jesus? We're not going to look too much uh, at, at Jesus himself. We're just going to look at the, what was written about him and why it was recorded the way it was. And then after that, we're going to look at what was recorded after that, after the time of Jesus. But first, we're going to pray. And then we're going to get one of you to read the passages that we're going to be looking at today. So let me pray for our listeners. All right. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that today uh, you have your word still preserved for us to be able to read. Lord, as we open it today, please give our listeners understanding and give us clarity as we pre present the program in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So could I have one of you please read for us Deuteronomy 17, 14 and 15 and 18 to 20. So I've cut out a little bit in the middle, so it's uh, it, we've got time to go through this particular section. Absolutely. And we are reading for the New King James Version. So, when you come to the land which, which the Lord your God is giving you, and possess it and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as a king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Also it shall be, when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book, from the one before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. 
Thanks, Carmelina. Now, that seems like an unusual uh, job that we don't hear very much about uh, for the kings. You know, they, they go out to battle, they lead the people, they build up riches for themselves. But here is a job that God says they had to do. They had to carefully copy and look after the words of God. And, you know, the, the priests and Levites had to do it before that. So this is very, very important role that the kings had that maybe you haven't heard too much before. Mm. Now, I don't know if you were ever given lines as a, <laughs> as a child, and I might open up too many cans of worms here, but just let me briefly say, do you remember writing lines at school when you got in trouble? You know, you have to write a hundred lines, I must not talk in class, David. <laughs> I remember writing that. I was a very, you know, chatty kid. <laughs> Maybe there was something that you did that, that, uh, that you had to write lines about. I uh, don't know if you want to. I used to have to stay in at recess because I wasn't very good at spelling. Right. So I had to repeat words and write them out the proper way. I really, I, one of the words was once. I really struggled with that word because it didn't make sense in my head. So I kept spelling it with a W. Um, <laughs> but, oh, um, yes. Yeah, the teachers got very frustrated with me saying, no, this is how you spell it. And I was like, oh, my right. goodness. No. For, me, for me, it was just simply learning how to write properly and just repeating, you know, over and over and trying to get my words formed and the letters formed correctly. My, mm. my handwriting is not the best to this day. Yeah, but you did it accurately, didn't you? I tried. So I tried. Once, really hard. <laughs> I, I was very specific with it because if I didn't, I knew the teacher was going to make me go back and do it again. Oh. So accuracy in the written words being practiced for millennia, not just since we've been at school. Mm. <laughs> and what we'll look at what we'll look at today will actually help to reinforce that. So mm. after a millennia of oral tradition passed down from one caretaker that we talked about uh, in the previous programs, of the information from one to another, it was somewhat corrupted when God's people went into Egypt and they were under you know bondage and taskmasters. We learned last week that after the exile. At God's direction, Moses takes the people directly to Mount Sinai and God instructs them again in the ways of God. So it's commonly accepted that Moses was the first to record the written word for us as he receives it from God. But in in Exodus 31, 18 and Deuteronomy 9, 10, uh, we won't read that today. We'll be sort of always short of time, aren't we? But mm. please look those up, Exodus yes. thirty-one eighteen or Deuteronomy nine ten, where it says that the commandments were written with the finger of God. I wish we still had those those tablets they had it, uh, in the ark all those years, so we could see what the writing of God looks like. Mm. I'm sure it'd be very neat. <laughs> But nevertheless, it, it was the commandments, yes, were, f were spoken to Moses, but he wrote them on the stone. It appears that they were so important that God wanted to make sure, perhaps, that, you know, Moses didn't make a typo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and yet the rest of it, he speaks to Moses and Moses records it. Now, I'm not certain exactly when Moses wrote all these things down from God, but I would suggest as they're fleeing from Pharaoh and they're, you know, before they cross the Red Sea, 
there probably wasn't much time for all, you know, recording things and writing things down. Also, just before Moses um, goes up on the, the mountain and God gives him the law, he's busy from night to day, uh, morning to night, morning to night. And his father-in-law actually comes to him in Exodus 18 and says, hey, what you're doing isn't good. You, you need to have some delegation here. So he, he suggests some delegation and they take that up. So then there are other leaders appointed to help. Perhaps Moses has more time after that. It's also important to note that as that, that Moses would have actually been able to recount Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy because all of those things were happening during his, during his lifetime. Um, however, Moses also is accounted for writing Genesis and he wasn't present. Actually, none of us were present mm-hmm. in the creation of the world. So mm-hmm. people say, well, no human was there to witnesses, witness it, so how do we know that Genesis is accurate? Well, I don't know how much you remember of your childhood before, you know, five or six. Do you remember much? <clears throat> I think sometimes we remember based on stories we've been told. Yes, but remember. personal memory. Do you mm. remember too much of that? I remember a few, but they're like, there's only they're smatterings, a few. They're smatterings, aren't they? Yeah, mm. the yeah. Um, random ones that happened and some that are, yeah, scary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah correct. Yeah. I remember one one event from probably when I was about two. I still was wearing nappies, two or three. This, I remember this as clearly as if I was on the outside looking at it. Um, that's how accurate, that's how clear it is in my mind because apparently I used, I don't remember this, but apparently I used to run around that, the yard outside, take off my nappy and drop it because I didn't like it and I'd, I'd, you know, make a mess all around in the yard outside. And I remember my dad was looking after us once while my mum was uh, having a bunion op just for a little while and so he was trying to change my behaviour. So one time when I did this, he got me. I don't know how he got me. All I remember was getting my bottom put in a bucket of hot water. Ooh. And it was really hot because I remember it was like it burnt my bottom, but it taught me a lesson. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so I never did that anymore. Now, you might say that was a bit cruel. Okay, but the water was probably a bit too hot and mm. he didn't check it properly. But that the, the, the purpose of that illustration is that is burned into my memory, but for the rest I rely on my parents to tell me about it. Mm. So likewise, as Moses grew and was trained by his mother at home for those early years, seven to 14 years, somewhere like that, he would have heard accurately the story of how God preserved his life amidst all of the terror that the, you know, the male children were being killed in those days. Yeah. So, uh, David, um, what we're really learning from this, I guess, from your story and from the example of Moses is that... Uh, we learn from our parents and uh, we listen to them and we remember those stories quite quite clearly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, just as we don't have memories of our own beginnings and we rely on God's word of the first-hand witness to tell us what happened, the same is true for how our world began. Moses goes up on the mountain, God speaks the things, and they're recorded in Exodus 20 to 31. But for the other 40 days, you can read in Deuteronomy chapter 9, he goes up for two lots of 40 days, um, and God speaks to Moses, he records it. I suspect some point through that 80 days, God shares with Moses all the words of Genesis, mm. and he writes them down, so we can believe it, because it comes directly from the word of God. Mm. Absolutely. 
Um, we have another break coming up, but before we do, um, just to remind you of our listener question, how were you originally taught to study the Bible? Do you study it differently now than when you first did? We also have a free book offer on today, Seven Words of Hope Spoken from the Cross. Um, stick around for the code later on. This is All My Hope by Crowder.
This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM with David Maxwell on his series, The Word of God. And David has been talking about the topic of the written word, the word preserved from Moses to Malachi. And before the break, David, you were saying that uh, the book of Genesis was likely um, written by God, but directly spoken to Moses, and uh, he, he wrote it down, he recorded it. And mm. then, uh, that so that covers Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And mm. uh, it's, it's interesting how... Um, you know how, how he didn't, even though he didn't live through that, but but God shared that story with him, and just how we remember things that we've been handed down from our parents. So, what about mm. the other books of the Bible? The you know after the Torah, I think they call that the Torah, don't they? The the first five books. Yes, correct. What about those who wrote them? Yeah, so even though God God wrote that little bit, you know, physically, uh, the, in Titus it says that God cannot lie. So if he says he wrote it, he wrote it. Um, he wrote those commandments. We have those still today, but, but clearly it was that important. But he also narrates much of those first five books to Moses. When you hmm. go through and you, and you read the beginnings of chapters, God said, Moses writes it down. And then there was all of the other things that he wrote for the people as well. The books are filled, those five books are filled also with many experiential stories that Moses lived through. Um, following, following Moses and Aaron, <clears throat> we have judges, priests and kings, and I'll cover them just for a little bit. Moses and Aaron died and Joshua leads him into the promised land and he becomes, I guess, the first of the judges slash priests. Um, and there's also a number of kings right up to the end of the Old Testament as well. These leaders, as we read earlier, was it was their job to copy the information about God faithfully, and they do that. And it ends, so it begins with Joshua, and it ends with the return from yet another exile. Yes, there's more than one exile, because the people the people walk <laughs> away from God, as we'll, we'll see in a moment. Um, the Babylonian conquest, the rebuilding of the temple at Jerusalem, and all of that is discussed in Ezra. So Ezra and Nehemiah and Malachi comes into that, which we'll look at in a little bit. So an entire book of the Bible is dedicated to the Israelite conquests in Canaan, led by Joshua. Um, and except for the chapters that record his death, clearly you can't record your own death, mm -hmm. these were probably written by a scribe. But it's most likely along the way it's written as it happens or where it's recorded and captured as it happens or it's later on in someone's life as they write back then about the things that God did for them. <clears throat> and, you know, it's amazing that God even had a part in that recording uh, a little bit later on in their life then because it's done very, very accurately, as we'll see later. From the beginning of the book through to the end of Joshua's life, it's clear that God continues speaking directly to Joshua and he has his words and their actions recorded. In Joshua 1, verse 1 to 2, it says, God said, and so Joshua is recording what God said to him. In chapter 20 and verse 1 towards the end of the book, it says, God said, and clearly Joshua records it. So right through his life and this account that he's writing, God is still speaking to Joshua. Joshua is actually a very significant book. In the complete Jewish Bible as well as the Hebrew Bible, Joshua is listed as the first book of the prophets 
Now, we, we see him as a leader, but the the Hebrews, uh, the Jewish Bible and the Hebrew Bible actually uh, counts him as a prophet, the first of the prophets. So he's in that list. And perhaps this is because God continued speaking directly to him and he faithfully leads God's people that way. But during his life and the life of others who had experienced God's word, the people remain faithful to God. But after Joshua, Caleb and the others who experienced all these things about God, once they die, the people then stop following God faithfully and start doing their own thing. Mm. As they forsake God and they, they, you know, it's interesting when you walk away from God, God often steps back and he's a gentleman, he doesn't force himself on you. But he steps back and says, all right, if you want it on your own, you can have it on your own and let's see how that goes. And so as God does that, he steps back and he doesn't protect them anymore. The Bible uh, outlines that as this is what God does. Um, but clearly he steps back and he doesn't protect them. The other nations around them that ha- they hadn't been faithful in, in defeating, um, they come in and they trouble all the people. Now, God is merciful because repeatedly he comes and rescues them. He he raises up these people called judges. So one of those that you'll remember is Samson. Now that Mm. might come to mind for most people. He was a real man and he did those things that are recorded in the Bible, which you could only do if you had the power of God given to you. Um, But God comes in and and bails them out. Now, I I had a a friend of ours who who used to do this for their child, and I would look on and I'd think, why why do you keep doing this? You're allowing the the child to keep behaving badly, and you're saving them. So they're learning that when they do the bad things, you're going to come and pull them out of the rubbish that they got themselves into. But they did it not because they were trying to encourage the bad behaviour. They just couldn't help themselves because they love the child. And that's what we see God doing as well. He's the loving, inverted commas, parent, if you like, and he continues to bail out his wayward children, these these, these uh, Israelite people. So historically it's unclear who wrote the judges, but it is clear from what we read earlier that it was the job of the judges, the prophets and the priests, as well as the kings later on, to record that information carefully. And that's what that's what uh, Samuel does, King David, King Solomon that follow the judges. Either way, God saw to it. He had a method to make sure it was accurately recorded. So following this time of the judges and those those really hectic times, God raises up one of the most significant prophet-priest judges, if you like, for Israel in Samuel. And from even a very young child, God speaks directly to him audibly, and we have this story where he audibly speaks to Samuel, not just through his mind, and it wakes the child up and he goes in and sees the old priest and he thinks the old priest is speaking to him. And after this happens twice, the old priest realises that this young child is hearing God speaking and directs him to God. So well beyond, as, as Samuel grows up and then the old priest dies through some terrible experiences, Samuel then begins to be God's spokesperson right through that time of the early kings. God uh, appoints for the people because they ask for it. They're sick of this, you know, judge is good. Um, Then the people fall away. They're sick of all of this. And they say, if we just have a king, like all the other nations, we'll be much better. (laughs) 
And God knows it's not going to be the case. But yeah. nevertheless, he allows it. And he agrees to anoint Saul, and then Saul falls away. And then he anoints David, and David has some problems too. And then he anoints Solomon, and Solomon has a problem. Isn't it interesting that even though we're imperfect and we make mistakes, God continues to work with us? Mm. But as we read earlier, one of the jobs of the kings was to guard God's word and copy it. So clearly, at the end of that particular verse we read, the second half of Deuteronomy 17, 18 to 20, it was not only the king's job, but the priests, the Levites, and the rest of them as well. That's something I've learned today, David, in terms of the kings, that uh, that they had this special job of mm. of uh, safeguarding the word of God and, and writing yeah. out and copying it. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, God always had his appointed people all the way through history to maintain his word. He did. Mm. He did. Very accurate. All right. Um, we're about going to take another break. And before we do, we need to tell you about our book offer, Seven Words of Hope Spoken from the Cross. Um, Seven Words of Hope captures the last sayings of Jesus as he hung on Calvary's cross. For example, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Each phrase echoing through the centuries from a dying Saviour contains a message of hope for you and me. Listen as Christ cries with the Heavenly Father, so he can, cries with the Heavenly Father so he can come and take us home. This next song is Evidence by Jason Horde. my history Your faithfulness has walked beside me The winter storms made way for spring In every season from where I'm standing I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life All over my life I see your promises and fulfillment All over my life All over my life 
Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM and we are talking with David Maxwell on the topic of the written word, the word preserved from Moses to Malachi. As promised, we have the code for our giveaway, seven, ho- seven words of hope spoken from the, co- from the cross. And our code word for today is word four, W-O-R-D, number four, no spaces. Text that in to 488 to claim your free offer today. Just to remind you, word four to 488 David, it's important, uh, or sorry, just interesting as we were speaking during the break that mm. we saw this pattern that the Israelites were, you know, close to God and then they fell away from God, particularly they were either influenced by other people around them or influenced by a bad king um, mm. who didn't follow God's word. It, it brought it home to me how important it is that we remain connected to a a true Bible-believing, you know, people who are following the Word of God as earnestly mm. as they can, that we mm. remain connected with a group of people who are doing that. Otherwise, we can fall away so easily as well. Yeah, it gives us some accountability, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Mm. So, Good. David, before the break, you were explaining that after Moses, God ensured that there was always someone responsible for guarding or keeping his oracles or mm. writings um, down, um, like writing down through the ages. Mm. Could you please explain a bit more about the prophets and um, put it all together for us today? Yeah, sure. So you mentioned the prophets, and that's important because we had this historical um, story, which with all of those uh, things that God said to his people and that as we go down through time. And then towards the end of the, the Old Testament, we had this big section called the prophets. There's the minor and the major prophets. Mm-hmm. Um, what 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 are, what are these people? What do they do? Well, uh, an illustration I'd like to use that that perhaps I've explained a little bit before, but it wasn't. Um, this year it was last year so many so many people contributed to the recording of these stories and words of God over the years it's led some people to question the accuracy of the transmission of the information from one caretaker to the next I call them caretakers at this point Around this time last year, I covered a, a program entitled Ancient Words um, in the Coming King program I ran. And, and one of the most significant archaeological discoveries I discussed in that program, uh, of our recent time anyway, uh, have been the Dead Sea Scrolls. These were documents that were written around 100 to 200 BC, which they dated from some of the, the coins and stuff that were found with them. 
and they contain fragments of almost every Old Testament book. The largest that was found was the book of Isaiah, almost completely intact. And after careful comparison with other ancient scripts and our modern Bibles, these are Bibles that are written some 2,000 years later, it was discovered that they were as good as identical to these 2,000-year-old documents. Now, of course, there'll be some commas, some abbreviations, things like that that are, that are different, but in effect, nothing that changes the, 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 the um, content and the meaning of the content. So because of the accuracy of their work, the group of reclusive scribes called the Essenes, who carefully wrote and copied these texts, have been referred to some, or by some, as ancient photocopiers. That's how accurate their work was. So again, God has clearly ensured that his words have been carefully handled and copied down through the ages, and the prophets were part of this. So throughout the reign of the Israelite and Judean king, both good and bad, time and time again, God needs to send his word to these people to guide them back to, their, back to himself. So there are major and minor prophets, as I mentioned. The ones referred to as major are simply called major prophets because they wrote more. Uh, that's, you know, they weren't bigger mm. people or anything. They mm. just wrote more. Yeah. And they wrote so much that uh, their books also include some historical stories. These stories often help to locate the time in which they lived and served God. So, if, for example, Daniel. You know, we know where he lived because there's some history around uh, the Babylonian kingdom and then the Babylonian overthrow by the Medes and Persians. So we see that happening during the story of Daniel. Those called minor prophets are often called minor prophets because they also wrote so little. <laughs> not they weren't small people or, you know, mm. insignificant. They, they just wrote not very much, maybe just a single message at times. The final words given in the Old Testament that we have today are, are, are received by the prophet Malachi. And it seems that this happens around about the 5th century BC, most likely after the exiles return from Babylon. They rebuild their temple, they re-establish its services, and it's around the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. So often these are not subsequent prophets, but some of them existed, lived at the same time. But God gives this message to Malachi. And the most important thing to note, that after Malachi, God is silent. God stops speaking to the people. Um, for about the next 400 years till about 4 BC, but we'll look at that next week. So I bring you back to our opening illustration of writing lines. When you wrote lines, you ensured the task was faithfully completed. Certainly I did, so I didn't have to repeat it. And I was very careful to copy out what I was told to do very accurately. So too, God has ensured that down through time, from the time of Adam right through to the end of the Old Testament, his words weren't lost because he had custodians to take care of them and transfer them faithfully from one generation to the, to the next. Remember, we had Adam, Lamech, then Shem, then Isaac, this is after the flood now, Joseph. Then he renews them through Moses after the exile, and they are written down and then faithfully copied right down through the Old Testament times so that nothing is left uncopied, inaccurate or questionable. <clears throat> so for you and I then, there's really only one question that remains. Will you listen to, read and obey God's word as those in that record who were faithful actually did?
If you want to learn more about how you can do that, how you can better understand some of the stories, learn to obey and follow him, please get in touch so we can give you more information on how to do that. Mm, Absolutely. David, it makes me think when we're looking at um, this topic of the written word, it makes me think of um, people who challenge the authenticity of the Bible. And, you know, I think uh, when people do that, they're coming from a place of ignorance because um, we know, for example, that uh, the New Testament writings have, um, just from a purely secular historical perspective, have such a, um, a a huge basis for evidence and accuracy and historical um, relevance compared to any other written work, you know, any other secular written work. We know that the the scriptures actually, the, if you do the numbers, if you if you have a look at all the copies and all of the errors between different copies, there are very very few errors between different copies. It proves the reliability of the written word, and it's just amazing how God has protected that down mm. through history. Yeah, it yep. takes away the argument of Chinese whispers, I guess, Absolutely. because it's written down. That's well, right. thank you so much, David, for your time today. Mm. And um, uh, just to remind everybody, um, the book offer is still open. So seven words of hope spoken from the cross. Text in word four, no spaces, W-O-R-D, and the number four to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. And join us tomorrow with Tamika Spalding, and she's going to be talking about to be encouraged. We'd love to have you on our program tomorrow. This next song is Write Them on My Heart by Marletta Fong. Have a great day. May God be with you, and may you feel his presence today. Thanks, Davis. Thank you. You have written what you want from me in stone A reflection of your character, O Lord So I try to keep your loss without regret But I'm easily distracted and forget So write them on my heart Seal them in my
the cross reveals your grace. Love's the motivation behind your perfect ways. So write them on my heart, seal them in my mind. The beauty of your love and grace. Just how lovely your commandments are, and write them on the tablets of my.